Hello, everybody. Oh, I've been waiting for this one. This is, it is uh, Royal Rumble weekend, but it's also, you know, a big weekend in another sport. It's a big weekend for sports and sports entertainment all around. And also, I don't know, what the hell were you watching last night? Uh, UFC 220. And who the hell fought in that? Uh, it was Stipe Miocic defended his title in a five-round smothering against uh, Francis Nagano, who the company put all their money behind in promoting and creating this storyline that they had thought was going to end the way they thought, just like uh, pro wrestling WDF had done successfully for years. The only difference is uh, no one told Stipe about that. So, <laughs> Oops. Uh- Oops, I, I have no idea about anything you just said. It sounded almost like WWF. I honestly, the only reason that I know there's the four teams in the championship series is because uh, the NFL tweeted out their promotional poster for the Super Bowl already. <laughs> yeah, with uh, my team, my I'm a fan of the Minnesota Vikings, even though I live in the greater Philadelphia area. Uh, and uh, they're playing. And it's the- not that great. It's not that great. They're playing the Eagles today, and they warned all Minnesota fans to be careful. Did you see any of that? No. It was no, so precious. I, I, I mean, it makes sense. They were like, uh, oh, uh, it, if you go to the game, don't get inebriated because they will be. <laughs> They're like a street <laughs> gang, but of 60,000 people that will murder you on site. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I will be tonight rooting on my Minnesota Vikings along with a uh, friend of the show and um, host of the podcast, Oh, I Had That, uh, Joshua. Uh, he's another fellow Minnesota Viking fan. And um, if you listen to our podcast and you like it, go listen to Oh, I Had That. It's available everywhere ours is available. And, uh, you know, they give a spin on a lot of stuff uh, we talk about, but they have their own spin and they're really well done. And they're getting into more uh, toy collecting and the, uh, they will be doing some unboxing videos in the future. So they got a lot in the pipeline. So go check them out and, uh, uh, mess a little message to Joshua, uh, skull buddy. We're bringing it home tonight or not, <laughs> you know, it's football. I don't know what's going to happen, but well, uh, it's not going to change your life. No, it's not going to change my life. <laughs> but, uh, what did change my life was the WWF attitude era in yes, the late nineties. Um, so, uh, I'd like to start out that I, where did you do a lot of your research? Um, a lot of it was from just memory and watching clips. And then when I just had the reference dates and stuff, I would use the old Wikipedia. I, you I, know, and then well, usually I try to use that to get to the articles. I like to use primary sources. <laughs> of course you do. Uh, I used Wikipedia and WWE.com, which I don't, I don't know if you can consider a primary source. Uh, in YouTube, of course, uh, but I listened to probably 50 hours, which is only probably like 10 shows of something to wrestling with Bruce Pritchard. Mm-hmm. You know who Bruce Pritchard is, right? Yes. yes. Bruce Pritchard, uh, brother love. Uh, he was with the WWF from 1986 or 87 to 2008. So he uh, was there for a lot. He was there for the entire Attitude Era. Uh 
and I listen to his take on all my picks. And he'll go, him and Conrad Thompson will go about four to five hours on a topic. They're worse than us, Squeezer. And, but it's so goddamn enjoyable, I can't get enough of it. I've been neglecting Howard Stern and, and Kevin Smith because I've been so in, entrenched in something to wrestle, wrestle with with Bruce Pritchard. So I'm going to be imitating, uh, at some point, Bruce Pritchard imitating Bruce, uh, Vince McMahon, you know, because I just can't help myself. Uh, I was just watching uh, clip after clip. I get, you know, it's very easy to fall down this wormhole um, of just Michael Cole getting yelled at on headset from Vince. It's hilarious. It's that one job I would never want. They have a uh, hot mic headset videos. Uh, occasionally they screw up and uh, things go hot or things get patched wrong. And right. So things, things get patched wrong. Sure. Sure. Oops. Hey, uh, you know, I really, is it our buddy Super K? <laughs> hey. Recording it. Um, we have a few friends in the industry that work this stuff, but uh, uh, well, we haven't heard yeah. many bad. associates. So what we heard was in one of your ear and the heads, you're wearing a th- double muff headset, which had, you have two ears. In one of the ears is the director, and the other ear is Vince McMahon directly uh, in your ear. So Vince McMahon will yell individually at the cameraman. But what I learned from Bruce Pritchard, Squeezer, I don't know if you knew this, but a lot of the time the cameramen are part of the show giving cues to the wrestlers on when they have to hit their finish, when they have to pose, when they have to get out of the ring. It's uh, I didn't realize how integral they were in the whole uh, performance. Did you know that? Interesting. Is, is it also, are they also supposed to get in the way all the time? No, that's only Dirk. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Dirky, but... Uh, uh, you know, there's video proof of it, so there's no disputing it. That's who we're talking about, right? I was going with the other guy. Oh, it's the Skullet. <laughs> Skullet, yeah. Super K. Yeah, he is the one. Yeah, Durkee is not in the way, is he? It's Super K who's always getting... Who, who pushed him out of the way? Randy Orton. Randy Orton. Uh, every time. Every time. It's beautiful. Uh, so, Squeezer's going to start us off here uh, with his first pick. Can you bring him out, Manny? Here he comes. Where is he? Cactus Jack! Get back! Somebody spike me. I thought he was dead. He's alive. Oh, please. He's alive. It may be the darkest day of your life because it's Madison Square Garden and Mrs. Foley's little boy. Bye-bye. Are we all? Bang, bang! Uh, was he making fun of JR there with Mrs. Foley's little boy? Uh, that was a kind of a mankind gimmick, a weird uh, mother-son mentally ill uh, thing that had been going on for quite some time. I, I, I remember, I mean, this goes into my next, my, I have a pick that uh, is down the line, is, is but he, uh, it's Goldust, I don't have to bury the lead. He At some point <laughs> when him and Goldust were teaming up, he was calling Goldust Mommy. <laughs> yeah. He might be one of my favorite characters. and Who, Mankind or Cactus Jack? Just Mick in general. Mick. Yeah, and I agree. He's as great. I'm going through this, this whole Attitude Era thing, he he might not have been... I mean, he was kind of the face if you were a fan, but, you know, it was rock and stone cold well, for well, the, some, the face of it. And you had Undertaker and Triple H. Something happened but, 
Are you talking face or heel or just the face uh, of the company? I'm just talking like face, I mean, face of the company, like well, as far I'm, as marketing goes. I mean, he was at some point when he won the belt, that was, that was a huge, yeah, th- that I think that was the, the, long the run, swing of it, the Monday people, night. Run. I don't think he gets necessarily the credit as uh, he is tied and woven into pretty much everything that happens. Oh in yeah. These I, years. I think there is a handful and I believe we're going to talk about all of them on the show. Only a handful of guys that I don't know if they ever planned the Attitude Era. I think it was kind of it naturally came about, and then they just went with it. And there's a handful of guys, Mick being one of them. If you were to do like a Mount Rushmore of the Attitude Era, uh, Mick Foley is on He's that. Jefferson. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so he took I he has had, the bumps there to was prove a it. Time now where I was out. Um, Maybe ninety two ish, ninety three. Maybe it was Jurassic Park or it was the else. diesel years. We were all out. Yeah, so he was the I, lowest I, drawing I, champion I, in WWF history. The new generation uh, stuff. So I, I had tapped out, um, and it wasn't until probably like ninety six ish I started just perusing. It might have been. Uh, because it was on USA, and I would see promos after watching Walker, Texas Ranger, hmm. um, that I would occasionally get into it. I wasn't, I wasn't completely engrossed in it. I would catch it time to time. I didn't know who anyone was. And then one night, I'm just sitting there. I'm watching Monday Night Raw. And Bastion and Booger comes out. <laughs> it's uh, September uh, 22nd. A 97. And it's, they run this promo and, uh, uh, no, November. Um, and it's, uh, Triple H is in the ring. He's supposed to fight Dude Love. And Dude Love admits he can't fight Triple H, but he knows a guy that can. And everyone's, oh, so it's Mankind. And Mankind walks into the frame. So now it's Mankind and Dude Love with some, for the time and production value and money going into it, pretty good. Uh, Back to the Future esque uh, two shot of the same guy on screen, and then they introduce Cactus Jack, and he walks through with the trash can. His music hits, and he comes out, and it is just a brawl. And for me, this is the first time I really saw a match like this. And it opens up with a neck breaker right on the concrete. This is when you could just rip the pads up off the ground. Right. And it was just, it was a pretty brutal just brawl. They're back in the locker rooms. They're just smashing stuff on each other's heads. And this is just a Falls Count Anywhere match. But I guess they're like, yeah, you could, you know. By God. Whatever you want. Do the Um, old JR, by God. I'm watching this. And now they're starting to work their way up. Oh, and uh, China's involved, too. She gets slammed in the stairs. Foley, or uh, Cactus Jack at one point, does this, like, plancha diving uh, rolling pin where he actually runs off the apron, dives over Triple H, and then rolls him up for a pin outside the ring. And for a guy his size, like, he shouldn't be able to do that. No, but no, he, he, was, he was he was spry awesome. and nimble for his size. Yeah, quite like myself. Um, and then eventually they worked their way up the ramp, and Triple H pulls out a well, I guess you could call it a table. I call it a hollow core door with legs on it. You could actually see the latch 
space, like on the side facing the camera, like where you would put the lock. Mm. Um, they climb up on a table. Triple H is about to pedigree Cactus Jack through the table. Cactus Jack reverses and does his Mick Foley pull pile driver through the table onto the ramp, collapses on him, and gets pinned. <laughs> at that moment, it was at that moment I was all in. I'm like, this is the most amazing thing I've seen on TV. I am now the biggest wrestling fan in the world. Oh, so you were late to the game, kind of, the Attitude Era. No, this was right at the very beginning of the Attitude Era. Oh, see. Uh, and technically, Attitude didn't start until they branded it with the logo on November 97. Maybe I so guess I was this just... This right around then. Yeah, I guess I was just the dork who is still watching New Generation. <laughs> <clears throat> well, I mean, some of your... There's you know, like some feuds and stuff for like the year leading up to it. Right. I, I don't, you don't have to get into it. Cause that's my next, no. next. Yeah. Pick. Yeah. Um, but, the, and then the coolest thing is looking back, I, it didn't register with me yet. And, um, the ECW chants going off in the crowd. Right. Cause this was, it was at Madison square garden. Right. And you can yeah, um, uh, see uh, Bruce Pritchard acknowledge that when they knew they were, if they're at the Hammerstein ballroom or Madison square garden, mm-hmm. they were going to get ECW chance and Vince encouraged it. Cause at the time they were funding ECW, mm-hmm. uh, which no one knew at the time, but they were, they wanted, you know, Vince liked the competition. He liked, they used it as like a, a, a place for guys to go and get TV time, you know, before when they were still rusty and get some ring time. So it was kind of almost like a developmental camp for them, uh, which worked beneficially for both Paul and uh, Vince. Yeah. And, and by having them kind of in his pocket, it's, it's on air competition, but at the same time, it puts two things out there to compete with WCW as well. Correct. And he, and he never gave WCW a one night only pay-per-view. He gave ECW a one night only pay-per-view, which was fucking awesome. It was pretty damn good. At the Hammerstein When they started reusing ECW in their own brand, it was kind of disheartening. Like right. Really watered down and right. using the wrong guy. Yeah. But that, that one night stand pay-per-view was pretty awesome. And that they even allowed them to do shoot interviews. The The greatest line when uh, – oh, who the hell said it? Oh, it was Paul Heyman. You go to JBL, the only reason your champ is, is because Triple H didn't want to work Tuesdays. <laughs> that takes great. balls to say and most people wouldn't let you you know defame your company like that but yeah, I, b- I bet i bet they ran that by vince and vince was like ha god damn pal that's yeah. great <laughs> want you to get out there and say it and shoot it that's my vince you're gonna hear a uh, lot of it tonight squeeze it <laughs> But yeah, this was my first, this is my first pick and my first real memory coming back into the fold and immediately I'm like, this is what I get to watch now. And uh, it, it, from it just got better from there. It absolutely did. Um, so building up to the Attitude Area, I, I think you could look at one feud that uh, pretty much pretty much one guy pretty much, but he didn't want anything to do with it, which is the greatest part. But there's one feud I would I would consider that that ushered in the attitude error.
So obviously this is Brett the Hitman Hart's music, a legend. But a legend. Uh, he was made champ first in '92. He was the heir apparent to the Hulk Hogan era. Uh, he was made champ in '92 and then lost to Yokozuna, so Hulk Hogan could immediately come down and win it again. Uh, but he was given a pretty good program uh, with Shawn Michaels, who who are the two stars coming up, and obviously. I think, in a way, Vince favored Sean over Brett. So, but, you know, who knows? So, what came to the, Mon- we're leading up to the Montreal Screwjob. And if you don't know what the Montreal Screwjob was, it was Survivor Series 97, November of 97. Bret Hart had taken a deal with ECW. I'm not, sorry, not ECW, WCW, who at the time was trying to, you know, still remain relevant and buy all the talent they can. Uh, they were so hot off their NWO and... Uh, they offered money to Brett. Brett came back and said to Vince, this is what they offered. Can you match it? And Vince said, no, I can't. You're going to have to you know, go with them. So the decision was Brett had the bell of the time, how to give it up. Uh, there was a lot of discussion as to how he was going to do that. He didn't want a job to Shawn Michaels in Montreal, in Canada. He said, you know, there, he said I would lose the belt to Brawler in Manhattan but just not in Montreal to Michaels. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, they, they would go back and forth. They were going to do, um, I guess the, I learned something called a schmoz ending. Uh, it's kind of an, you know, an ending that, you know, ends in DQ or something. You don't necessarily have to do the job, but, uh, okay. uh, I guess the, the they, they, uh, Pat Patterson was working on the match with, with Brett and, the decision was that Brett was going to put Sean in the um, sharpshooter and Sean was going to reverse it. And then they, they were going to con- break out of it and continue their match. That was going to be, that was supposed to be the halfway point. So uh, as soon as that happened, Sean ran to Vince and said, I have, I have it. This is how we're going to fuck him over. Their plan was to screw him <coughs> over. Now there is a, contingent of people who will say Bret Hart was in on this. And I, sometimes I just don't know. It was, yeah. great, it was great for Brett's career to go into WCW and say he was jobbed, but WCW are screwed over by Vince and WCW just didn't do him justice. It was great for the movie Brett was making at the time. Uh, what was it called? Beyond the Man or whatever. Mm-hmm. Oh, Wrestling with Shadows. That's what it was called. Which one was? Oh, Beyond the Mat was um, the w, the yeah the WWF one, whatever it was, and then um, it was great for Vince, obviously, and, and WWF uh, to say, you know, I screwed him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now is it is it kind of like hindsight? You look back, it's like, oh, this all worked out, like for the most part. It so. didn't work out for Brett because he got well, he just didn't, they didn't know how to book him in WCW. I think. Well, it, that, it, I mean, if you think about it, like it, it could work out, and then. It could have. I mean, it could have been great. For you look at WCW, and I mean, they they screwed up. Well, well, we'll they're letting that they're later. letting Kevin Nash book, and apparently the man's an idiot. Uh, you know, he didn't know anything about anything. Uh, so the whole like like finger tap lay down to Hogan, mm-hmm. you know, go down in infamy as one of the most the darkest moments in w, wrestling history. Uh, but uh, so. Building up to all of this shit, there was legit beef between uh, Michaels and uh, Bret Hart backstage. 
they were doing shoot interviews. Like Brett didn't realize that when he come when he was whining about Shawn Michaels, he was coming off heelish, and and Michaels was starting to to become a heel and or become a face, even though he was a heel. So so Vince was like, "Listen, we're gonna do this. I got. I we're gonna do this. You're gonna be a heel in the USA only, but you're gonna be a face around the rest of the country." It's a, this double jeopardy thing. I don't know if I'm using that phrase correct, but it's going to be this way that you could still remain a face in Canada and around the rest of the world, but in USA, you are going to be a heel. And it actually worked. Uh, and it built up to one of the greatest debut WrestleMania matches of all time, WrestleMania 16, the submission match between Bret Hart and Stone Cold Steve Austin. And I think one of the greatest uh, angles of all time and it really really helped usher in the attitude era was the whole uh stone cold and uh bret hart the hart foundation feud Mm -hmm. when the hart foundation got back together and then sean michaels and dx doing the shoot interview about the possible uh, relationship that bret had with sonny which really fucked up his marriage bret hart's marriage and it wasn't apparently Brett that was sleeping with Sonny. It was Davy Boy, <laughs> uh, you know, because Sean used to have a thing, a legit thing with Sonny. So he went out and did a shoot that he said, "Sunny, something like Sunny Days, Brett." <laughs> so their match, uh, their Iron Man match, was always one of the, you know, the Bret Hart Shawn Michaels Iron Man match. That's one of the greatest matches I think of all time. Oh, yeah. They each they each had zero falls going into it. Like for an hour, uh, really well planned. They really had to sell that to Vince too. It's like, oh goddamn man, I don't want two guys out there for an hour. Uh, <laughs> sold it to him, but uh, yeah, that was some great shit. The Stone Cold, it really helped build Stone Cold's character fighting Bret Hart. But uh, the two of them, and, and and it helped, it helped swing it at the end with uh, pushing Michaels back to being a heel, and Bret Hart back to being a face with the whole Montreal screw job, which you know turned into DX versus Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, Yeah, whether it was, uh, you know, kayfabe or it was all plot out to begin with, it really did. It set up McMahon to be the ultimate heel for the next, He he is my last pick, uh, Mr. McMahon being a heel. But yeah, this was this was the, the start of it. When Brett was doing an interview, when he started the Hart Foundation, he came out to do his heel turn. He he, uh, Davy Boy and and Owen Hart were fighting for the Intercontinental Champion. I'm sorry, not the European Championship. <laughs> yeah, so I remember that. They were a tag team and they were fighting over it. And Brett came out and stopped it. And he's like, No, 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 stop this. You're you're my brother. And and then Brett and Owen were feuding at the time. He goes, You're my brother, and I always and I I always walked you to school. You know, I looked out for you. And Davy Boy, you're my brother-in-law. You're family. We're family. And this company's pushing us apart. And this is as, and he's like, and he goes, and most of all, you and McMahon, who's commentating with Lawler and Jim Ross at the time, sitting side, and he points at him, you know, and this is the first time, you know, they they would shoot on McMahon being the boss, you know, before he's just a commentator, and this would start blurring that line, and yes, that that was the first time, you know, I'm going to talk about Mr. McMahon, who was one of the greatest heels in wrestling history, uh, it literally and then he became the character which was one of the greatest heels in wrestling history but yeah uh, Bret Hart saying it you know most of all it's your he was blaming the fans he was blaming Michaels and then he most of all blamed McMahon but the screw job really cemented that mm-hmm. uh, 
that position. And, uh, and you know what happened afterwards, apparently. <coughs> this was Bruce Pritchard. He went backstage, and uh, Bret Hart was hot, and Shawn Michaels is back there crying, apparently, saying he had nothing to do with it. And and uh, they're in Vince's office. He goes, all, all right, pal, I'm going to let him get one shot. Let him get one good shot at me, and that's it. <laughs> and uh, they went backstage, and... Brett laid him out. He got his one shot, and you know Shane and Patterson and Pritchard got in the middle of him, and you know he got his got his boots in and, and walked out. But Damn. you know if McMahon let Bret Hart punch him in the face just to sell it to the rest of the guys backstage, that's that's dedication right there, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I said Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, and Bret Hart. He, he Bret Hart had to. He passed the torch from the new generation to the Attitude Era, and I, it was it was he did it in a very you know, if if he was in on the screw job, bravo. Yeah, yeah. I don't think any of this happens. You can't. the The Attitude Era came you know naturally out of this. Like I, you you couldn't sit down. Like I know it all comes. It stems from, like the name. Uh, you know, comes from a shoot Michaels did where he was, you know, dropping F-bombs and, you know, and basically undoing the family-friendly nature of the show. And Vince was pissed until, like, during a meeting, he, like, a flip, uh, switch flip, and he's like, you know what? This is what we all need. We need some more attitude. And that's where that, you know. Goddamn, so, pal. We, we need yeah. this from everybody. We need more attitude. Exactly. <laughs> And I, I think it's it, it stemmed naturally. It wasn't like they sat down and go, you know what, we're gonna make a more uh, um, yeah. I don't think they were ever like let's sit down and like let's make a, a, a let's make attitudes. Just like this is what we're becoming. It's working. We're beat. We're finally we're gonna beat WCW by being what you know what they can't. Mm-hmm. The NWO just became too ridiculous at this at this point. There's the Wolfpack. Yeah. There's the you know, there's a billion different factions, and it got hard to follow. And it got worse from here on out, too, with them. And they lost a pretty big name, uh, and he is involved in your next pick. Dad, I love you. You're a good man. And everything I have in life, I've learned from you. Now, what in the hell is that? No, you don't, you son of a bitch. Not my mother. So this is the most, one of the most offensive, grotesque, and maybe, dare I say, unnecessary, funniest moments in wrestling history. I know. Um, Big Show is such a sport. What's that? Big Show is such a sport with everything. Oh, I mean, and that's what's fucked up. His dad had already died like a couple years before this. Right. Um, So... This is um, 
so the attitude error was, you know, it started off being, you know, aggressive and more, uh, I would say, based in the reality of backstage politics, it kind of came forward. And then they started just pushing it. And let's see how many people we can upset. <laughs> so, what, May Young giving it, birth to a hand? <laughs> May Young giving birth to a hand. Um, the uh, miscarriage angle, which I would dare say really had no place being on. Was that, that was Stephanie? Just, you're talking? No, it was... Uh, uh, Trish Stratus? No. With Vince? It was, uh, Terry Reynolds. Terry, oh, Terry Reynolds. Yeah. Um, so, but you know what? If we're going to do something over-the-top offensive, let's have the big boss man do it. Because um, we're you have him eat Al Snow or feed Al Snow his pet Chihuahua. Um, there was a point during when he had his feud with Al Snow where he took had the dog carrier. He took it and flung it, and people lost their shit. Right, the dog wasn't really in it. <laughs> well, yes. Well, they had to even if they had to even say like on air, it wasn't even pretend that the dog was in there. They had to say, "Oh, it was empty, folks. Don't worry." Right. Like, not even in the statement to PETA saying, hey, it was a rehearsed stunt and it was safe. They had, like, storyline-wise even say the dog wasn't in there because people got that upset. People got more upset over that than in this case. So Big Boss Man pulls up in a old Dodge police car. I swear they just took it right out of – off the set of Blues Brothers. And it has on the roof of it strapped on the most obnoxious and hilariously oversized – uh, loudspeaker. It looks like like when Wiley e. Coyote would strap a rocket to the car. It was this giant comical speaker, <laughs> and he rolls in to the which for some reason I don't know why there's cameras there and shooting Big Show's father's funeral, uh, but they're there anyway. And uh, you heard what Big Boss Man had to say. Right. Um, there is at one point. Uh, when he goes, if you were my son, I'd wish I'd have cancer too. I mean, Jesus, it was just meant to hurt people's feelings. <laughs> um, but then, so he runs Big Show over with the car after he hits on Big Show's mom at her father, at her husband's funeral, and which buys him enough time to then pull up this hilariously uh, decorated police car next to the casket, pull out a chain. Attach a chain to the casket and drive away, dragging it away, in which Big Show then runs after him, jumps on the casket, and now the big boss man is driving away, dragging the casket and Big Show behind until Big Show falls off and lays there in the cemetery while Big Boss Man drives off with his father's casket. Um, I don't know, and you would have like uh, classic wrestling fans and the people deep involved. What business does this have being in any professional wrestling whatsoever? Right. And I will say this. It was fucking hilarious. That's what it was. Yeah, it was. It, I mean, everyone knew it was just good it fun. Was, it was so over the top. It, I would almost dare say it was almost an inside joke at itself, that themselves. Like, see, like, this is how far we've come. Uh, maybe Mae Young giving birth to the hand was what that was but the funniest was, the funniest thing that come around with the may young thing was when uh they they brought like a big inflatable hand out later and they said it was their son all the years later oh yeah like uh it was one of the anniversary shows yeah yeah, yeah it's so great 
Um, but yeah, that, that's uh, the over the top stuff is kind of what the funny the funny stuff. And Mick Foley had a lot to do with that um, mm-hmm. when he when he was trying to be mankind as Vince McMahon's assistant and um, wearing the shirt, the old beat up shirt and tie, mm-hmm. and Mick and uh, McMahon in the hospital bed and giving him the giving him the beat up. Old winged eagle belt. Winged oh, eagle I forgot belt. how funny that was when he was just trying to be a nice guy. Yeah, yeah. He just the kept... dynamic between the two of them was, and that's the other thing. It was a, a dynamic between personalities, uh, that made it all work too. Right, and McMahon in his gospel gown is like, "God damn man, I'm gonna want you to show my testicles <laughs> and blur it out." Oh, that led to Stone Cold smashing Vince in the face with a bedpan. Yeah, it did. It did. Oh. Yeah. Great. Some great stuff, but uh, yeah, that that stuff was good. And um, it's so here. This might a lot of people might not give the next guy credit for being a major part of the Attitude Era, but in my opinion, there was uh, uh, no one else. This guy was uh, what this guy helped make the Attitude Era and helped push the line. there yeah buddy you'll always remember the name gold dust <laughs> how can you not love the character I, he's still wrestling to this day he's still in wwf oh i could see dustin not loving the character but no dustin loved it well there was a time where he was a little disheartened by it he really wasn't it was just a gimmick he was kind of playing uh, he was like it was getting old and stale, and he was trying to keep it alive. He wanted that character because he, you know, he got his he, Gold Dust is arguably, you know, his what he'll always be known for. Oh yeah, and it. Well, it, he, I mean, Seven was fairly successful. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! So back in I think 1994, Dustin Rhodes fought Blacktop Bully in a WCW King of the Road match. Have you ever seen this? No, I've not. You can see it on it's on WWE Network. I think it's on their YouTube. I, I we watched it, but it's it's him and Blacktop Bully, who was Smash of uh, and the Repo Man from okay. Demolition, mm-hmm. fighting in a semi which has just bars up around it and bales of hay, driving down down the road. Oh yes, yes, yeah. And so in this match, uh, WCW had a, a no bleeding policy. I mean, no getting bust open, but they were booked. The guy who booked the match told them to uh, to go ahead and uh, go ahead and, and get cut. So that happened, and uh, the match was great, but they got fired because of it. <laughs> so that obviously brought Repo Man to the WWF, and it brought Dustin. So they brought Dustin in. They were trying to figure out an angle for him, and they're sitting in. And um, they came up. Vince was like, "Oh, they're just some. They're pitching something dust, something dust, something dust. You know, something that had to do with Dusty. You know, and I think at one point Stardust, which would be his brother later, was pitched. And uh, at one point, Vince was like, "Well, he's gold dust. You know, he's goddamn pal. He's the greatest uh, Hollywood star ever." And, and the whole gimmick was pitched, and they wanted it to be really over the top and really androgynous and and really fun to play. You know, they got the the wig and. 
they had creative make the makeup and the costumes and uh and dustin really went with it you know he had the whole robe and he, he came out with the wig and uh, you, know, you know his first match was at in your house in 1995 against marty Jannetty, and he comes out with glitter coming out of the sky the, the hollywood star on the on the aisle being projected from the gobos and they had all these paparazzi snapping flashes off at him uh really great gimmick uh and he really played it well and then he started doing that like you know playing off the maybe he's homosexual maybe he's not like rubbing up against the wrestlers and and then and like them getting freaked out they you know that was all planned they they played mm-hmm. that and and to the point where glad uh the whatever g-l-a-d-d is or g-l-a mm-hmm. so uh they were getting upset and they were uh protesting this gimmick so vince was like uh, dial it back bro uh, dial it back pal or getting a little too out of hand but you know he didn't uh and i think his greatest his his high point in his early career was that backlot brawl match when when uh wrestlemania would come to hollywood they were in anaheim so i guess jerry lawler apparently hooked them up with warner brothers or paramount and they got this backlot and that was him and rowdy rowdy piper and they flew out and they filmed all this stuff on the back lot like the week ahead of time. And it was I uh, do you remember that match? I don't I mean I I remember I think the it was match, WrestleMania thirteen or sixteen. It was really great. A lot of fun. Uh you can see video of it on YouTube. Uh they really beat the hell out of each other and um they come back to the ring after the tape stuff and uh Piper just like stomps on him pretty well and rips his his outfit out, revealing women's you know panties and and stockings and garters underneath it. And I guess after they filmed it, uh, Mar- Marlena, who was his wife at the time, Terry Reynolds and and Dustin were walking around Hollywood and they came by Fredericks of Hollywood, and that was in the thing. And then Dustin's like, "What if what if he's wearing this underneath?" And Marlena loved it, and they went in and and tried stuff on, picked stuff out, and like the five XL section and. <laughs> he said it was funny in Hollywood. No one blinked an eye. Uh, and Vince, oh, I love it. <laughs> you know, he loved the idea. So I, they had so much fun with the gold dust character. And when they brought Marlena in, uh, his wife to be his, his you know, uh, with the cigar that added a whole new dimension to it. And then they, they decided with gold dust that he was going to, uh, drop the whole gold dust gimmick and become some religious Dustin Reynolds. Remember that one? Yeah. And it, it just didn't work out. So they just kind of ditched it and went back to gold dust. And then he started, you know, going off crazy with the dusty dust and the, you know, Marilyn Manson dust and then the sadomasochist. And he left, like you said, WCW to become seven, but he kept coming back. Uh, and Vince loved the gold dust character. And so did Dustin and the crowd, the crowd eventually got into it but- also. Yeah, I mean, he's, you look forward to it every year. Like, I'm assuming tonight you're you're just waiting for that Royal Rumble debut. You always, like, he well, was he's actually, the longest time when he wasn't at, when he, well, when he wasn't active. Yeah, when he would always come into the always, Rumble. He would always show yeah, up. But he's actually active. He actually fought, yeah. wrestled in a house show in Reading two nights ago. I saw pictures yeah. um, close to us. He's still on the active roster, uh, even though his brother left. But, yeah, yeah he's... Um, he got his act together, you know. He sobered up. He was he was dealing with some issues. He was part of the infamous plane ride from hell, mm-hmm. where Brock Lesnar and Mr. Perfect started like, uh, like shoot amateur sh- shooting at each other in the aisle, <laughs> <laughs> and that had to be broken up. They cut 
Michael P.S. Hayes mullet off, hex pocked in. Uh, and, and I guess Dustin was serenading uh, his ex-wife at the time, Marlena, <laughs> over the PA. They're all fucking hammered. But uh, yeah, that was that was the Goldust gimmick. It was great. There's some great Goldust matches. And, you know, he eventually would get... You know, that's hard to wrestle in all that get-up. Uh, yeah. But they did some good stuff with it. He well, did, you, you see the way the makeup runs, the amount of sweat. I mean, and wrestling in that suit. You can't breathe. Does, the makeup, yeah. the suit. There's, you gotta, he, he was forced to get into better shape, which made him a better wrestler. Yeah. And it was a fun gimmick. Uh, and it, he really pushed the, pushed the line. Uh, it was it seemed like it was ahead of its time with some of the uh more um mature uh angles that they would go with not mature in the sense of you know maturity but in it wasn't a kid's gimmick right right uh it was fun though and um mm-hmm. it, it was it was a great attitude and when he started having more fun with it it, it became a, a more popular character I was like Goldust, and um, I, that's why I picked him as as one of my guys. Uh, so that's Goldust. All right, Squeezer, what do you got next? All right, so we talked about how guys were, you know, guys definitely bounced back and forth between uh, uh, WCW, WWF, and you know ECW for that matter. And you know, guys like you know Austin was in ECW, and um, there was cross promotional stuff there, like you know, Jerry Lawler made his appearances there and was like, had RVD and Sabu doing their thing, uh, and really just treating ECW like the stepchild that they really were. Um, but uh, there was some talent that was bred there that uh, came over to uh, to WAF and one guy made a huge debut and it was one of my favorite moments of uh, of the era. Okay, here it is. Ah, Taz, fuck the world. FTW. Ah. So, right. Taz, fuck the world. He was a uh, he was a superstar. I I saw him. Quick sidebar at Ag Hall, which is a, for an ECW show. Yeah, they, they had a Falls Count Anywhere match. Him and Shane Douglas. It was fucking awesome. Oh, uh, they had some awesome matches. And uh, I mean, Taz was a staple in uh, in ECW back in the day. And he was even involved in that Jerry Lawler, you know, angle. And he tagged with Sabu. Um, he had some great matches. And I mean, he was a solid, entertaining wrestler. Like ECW gets this stigma for like the, just these brawling, violent, just hit you and throw you kind of matches. But I mean, if you look at stuff between like RVD and Jerry Lynn. And like Lance Storm back in a day, and just Taz, like I could just watch people get suplexed all day long. He was which um, is, an amateur wrestler, also, right? I believe so. He was who fucking trained him. I knew this. Um, well, he's from New York, so yeah, the Red Hook, uh, the Red Hook section of, of Brooklyn. Um, and that's why, of course, again, Madison Square Garden. He makes his debut at the 2000 Royal Rumble. Who? 
at the time, this was Johnny uh, Rods. Yes, there you go. Thank you. Um, Kurt Angle was on his tear, so he had debuted uh, uh, shortly before this, and he was the undefeated Olympic gold medalist who could defeat anybody. Mm-hmm. And he uh, was just over the top, obnoxious. Like he would play himself off as the hero, come to save the day. I'm better than you. I'm going to help you lead a better life, and I'm here for you. And, of course, that's the perfect way to go over as a heel, to just be a complete dick. Uh, So he invites anyone to come challenge him. And leading up to this, there were little vignettes that they would play to just the— Little what? Vignettes. There you go. I did it again, didn't I? You did. Um, If I can't say words right, you have to— you have to go Brian, down. What to is them. what is it when uh, you give human characteristics to animals? An- anthropomorphic. <laughs> Good enough. Serve my purpose there. Um, so uh, they were playing these little clips of just like uh, a logo, a color. Uh, the music would play a little bit when the lights would black out, kind of like how they were teasing uh, uh, Y2J back in the day with the countdown clock. Awesome, super. I love yeah, they, Y2J. This, they knew how to tease guys coming in. And if you weren't on the internet and were deep in, you really didn't know who this guy, who was going to come out, what this was all about. Now, I knew because at the time I was like just deep, deep in ECW. So I was really excited for this. Um, yeah, same, same. Because we although were, Taz used to, and I think it was just uh, kayfabe, he was just, he would, he would shoot on WWF and how much he hated it all the time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I think he was just his his shoot interviews are among some of the best. Yeah. And his podcast is awesome, too. So it shows Um, he um, it it was weird because, you know, you think like uh, you get that too cool or uh, the what's the thing? You know, like you have your band and as soon as they make it, they sold out. So you don't like them anymore. Right. Like Metallica was after like, uh, I don't know, some people would say black. um, Others would say uh, uh, load. Yeah, well, yeah, definitely. That's where I kind of come in. I still like like, and reload, but whatever. But yeah, um, uh, and Justice for people say they sold out in Justice for All, and that's like my favorite album, Um, just because very dark and broody. (laughs) Um, But like you would think, like these ECW fans would be bitter that like Taz is leaving, but they loved him for it, and like they, it's like there was an understanding. It's like you worked hard for this. Go make your money. Right. Kind yeah. Of thing. Right, so exactly. you were looking forward to see him debut. There was no bad blood or anything uh, to the point where. So Taz I'm getting off track, but on the same station, at least. Um, so Taz <laughs> makes his debut, has an awesome five minute match with Kurt Angle, which in 2000 was, I mean, it might as well have been an Iron Man match like we talked about earlier. Five minutes. Um, it was a good back and forth, some awesome suplexes, some stuff up on the ramp. And then Taz finishes off with like three different Taz. He like an overhead, uh, like heart, head and arm, like Taz plex where he completely flips angle backwards over his head. Then he lands a T-bone, then a head and arm Taz plex. And then he wraps angle up in the Kaja Hawk to Maine and chokes him out unconscious. Right. Taz pops up, music plays, and just walks. It, it's an awesome look, and it just shows how badass they were building him up where he didn't even celebrate, puts his arms up, walks up the ramp, and as he's walking up the ramp, there he passes the stretcher as the stretcher is coming down, and they load Angle up on the stretcher and play it off like he choked him out unconscious. Uh, meanwhile, King and JR are losing their minds like, oh, it's an illegal choke, and, you know, 
blah, blah, blah. So they were trying to build Taz up as a badass, which worked for quite a bit. Right. Um, well, just, he, and then the worst, though, so at the, there was something happened then, politic-wise, involving another company, another wrestler, Mike Awesome. Yeah, he signed with WCW. Mike Awesome signed with WCW when he was still with ECW. And this was different than Taz leaving. Um, right. Because there was no communication. Key, well, well, he kind of um, did it. You have secret and he's still under contract. Yeah. And he was going to show up on WCW and drop the ECW title in the trash like they had done before. Paul Heyman, being the ruthless uh, booker and owner that he was, got lawyers involved and put a stop to this. And then they came to an agreement finally, and then Mike Awesome was going to lay down the belt to Taz at an ECW show. So there's going to be a mystery opponent, and all of a sudden now, everyone knew Mike Awesome was a WCW guy with the ECW belt at an ECW show. Taz shows up, and the place goes fucking nuts, and then Taz pins Awesome for the title. Yes, a, and, a WWF wrestler fights a WCW wrestler for the ECW belt at an ECW show. Yes. This was a clusterfuck. But it was um, awesome. It was it was awesome, uh, and then I uh, love when he and, brought the belt to SmackDown. That was fucking yeah. sick. Uh, problem was there was a show, a house show, where Taz actually lost to Triple H. Yeah, yeah, McMahon and hated kind of got out that. about that, and Vince even admitted, it's like, yeah, that was a bad idea. Yeah. I admit it. Um, and yeah, so then Taz would show up to e- to WC or to W Jesus. Um, I'm surprised I didn't even say CZW yet. Um, so, yeah, Taz would show up with the ECW belt. And then eventually he uh, went back and then lost uh, in a match to Tommy Dreamer, giving Tommy Dreamer the belt, which is one of my favorite ECW moments. Because finally, you know, after all those years, Tommy gets the belt. He's excited. And then everyone celebrates. Even Raven comes out and you think they're going to fight, but then they hug it out. Then Just Incredible comes, or Aldo Montoya, whatever you want to call him. Hmm. Beats the crap out of Dreamer after he just had a brutal match with Taz. Challenges Dreamer. Dreamer accepts because he's the ECW champ and he's, you know, Mr. ECW. And then in like 30 seconds, Just Incredible beats the hell out of Tommy Dreamer and takes the belt. So, you know, it was the way to transition between champs. And they gave Dreamer the belt for 30 seconds, um, leaving Taz to go and do his thing in WWF. And he had some cool matches, but... And then the problem was is just injuries just caught up with him faster than you would have thought. I mean, yeah, it's neck, and when it's your neck injury, yeah. Uh, and then so he was, but he's great on the mic. So they had him do color commentary, and he would do back and forth, you know, wrestle and do commentary. Uh, and then when the whole invasion angle happened, he was kind of like the mouthpiece uh, for. I for thought ECW. him and Michael Cole were fantastic together. Yeah, I thought they did great. Yeah. Um, He's just very natural, very charismatic. And like I said, I, I check his podcast out uh, fairly regularly, too. Um, Taz show. Yeah. But, yeah, it, it was just – it was a lot of fun to see it all kind of come together and excited to see, like, how you would say – not that, you know, they were, like, one of my guys. Even though I was still a WF guy, you know, for quite some time, I was a bigger ECW fan, you know. They were – it, it was local. It felt smaller. I could watch it on WGTW Channel 48 when I could figure out when the <laughs> hell it was on. Right. Um, and it, it just felt like it was some. It kind of felt like it was your own. You felt like you were the one of like you were in a special little club, watching it, and you kind of were to be fair. Um, and uh, but it was just exciting to see him come in, and he it was the perfect style wrestler at the time too to come in. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. He, uh, he, he, he could brawl, but you could have some good technical matches, you know? Right. Well, uh, I got a story about a guy who I think is also belongs on the... We talked about uh, people who belong in the Mount Rushmore of the Attitude Era. This guy is the Mount Rushmore. I mean, the number one guy, I think, of besides Stone Cold, of the Attitude Era. You smell what The Rock is cooking? <laughs> Now, Squeezer, I used his oh, I music. I used his uh, nation, which was in, started as a nation of domination music, because this story is from when he was in the, uh, the nation. So, a little history: Rocky debuted in, I believe, '96, uh, November of '96, Survivor Series, and uh, was a was a babyface, and he took his name from. Uh, his dad was Rocky Johnson, and his grandfather on his mother's side was the High Chief Peter Maivia. So yeah, he's they, royalty. He is royalty, and they took his name. Uh, and then Rock didn't want to do that either. He told Vince he wanted to be his own guy, but Vince was like, "You gotta, you gotta be Rocky, and you gotta be Chief Peter Maivia. Come on, pal, you can do it." And um, uh, so yeah, he became Rocky Maivia, and he was a babyface, but people fucking hated him, and they chant. <laughs> Rocky sucks, uh, and they didn't know what to do. So he uh, took some time off for, to recover for an injury. And uh, when they came back, they they were like, "Oh, we're gonna add you to um, the Nation of Domination. We're gonna work you in." Well, he didn't like that because you know he you know, he didn't get the angle. He didn't want to be part of a racist thing. But you know, he came in and um, started cutting interviews, and he was fantastic as as a, a heel. They started chanting Rocky shuts. Uh, sucks and he'd like shut your candy ass mouth or whatever you know in typical rock fashion so much that they're like we need to make him the leader and get rid of Farouk which he later became and they just called it the nation so in July of 1998 there was this uh, sports fest that was held it's, no, it's now as of last year defunct but uh, they would have an outdoor wrestling event called the Bash at Cedar Beach ran by WXW, which is the uh, wrestling promotion of our local, uh, I don't even know how you say that, NY family? NY, yeah, I think that's how it is. If you know the Wild Samoans, often Sika, it's their family. Uh, They all live here and they have alleys. Some moved down to Florida. But um, every every week, uh, Fatu, or Samu, Samu drops off the Mm -hmm. DVD for WXW at our studio. (laughs) Uh, but they ran this bash at Cedar Beach, and Rock's their cousin. So they were doing a show at a local arena, a house show. So Rock, Owen Hart, um, Savio Vega, I think, uh, a couple guys came came to show up in the match, and they wrestled WXW guys. And uh, Mankind was there, too. He, he joined Mike Mittman on commentary, and Owen oh. Hart kind of got in, too. It was really funny. Mankind was great, but at the end, um, one of uh, uh, my dad's good friends was like, he was running the promotion. He's like, hey, you want to come in the back and meet some of the guys? So I, I said, sure. And the first guy took me to, Samu took me right back to, he's like, this is my cousin, The Rocks. I, I'll post a picture on Instagram. I got a, a Polaroid it's with adorable, him. It's adorable, folks. Uh, and Rock signed it. And he could not have been a nicer guy. 
I mean, talk about like one of the sweetest human beings on the planet. He was super nice. He, he said to me, he took me over and I met, uh, uh, Jerry Sags was there. I met Sags really nice. Mm-hmm. Then he took me over. He's like, have, have you met my grandfather Superfly? He referred to him as his grandfather, even though they're not. But uh, Superfly was there, who later go on trial for murder in Allentown before he passed. But this was bef- this was after the he after after he after he um, allegedly he allegedly murdered his girlfriend. But before he was brought back to trial, so Superfly was there. Um, he, I met Owen Hart. I met Mankind. He would just take me around to meet all the guys, and 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 Rock personally took me around to meet all the guys. Um, and he was just super, super nice about it. Uh, and he has his leather fanny pack on in the in the picture. Oh, the same one that he's wearing in that one same, was posing. That one in the same. Squeezer. That infamous photo. The one in the same. So, uh, you know, Rock's from our town. He's he's probably not only the biggest star from our town, but he's the biggest star in the world, arguably. Uh, most profitable actor in Hollywood. <laughs> Um, and I always root for the guy because he's just, you know, I know for a fact that he's a nice guy. Oh, what's her name was on Hey Dude? Well, she was also, she's also married. Well, they broke up recently, but Ben Stiller. Aw. Uh, yeah, they broke up. She was, she was, uh, Matilda and Zoolander. Uh, and Amanda Seyfried's from here too. And, uh, Dane DeHaan, who played, uh, the Green Goblin in the shitty two Spider-Man movies. They're shitty. I shouldn't have shot on them. They weren't as good. But yeah, so that's my story of meeting The Rock. And uh, really cool. I mean, I also met other guys, but The Rock was The Rock was the highlight. Though. Well, yeah, that's something you don't forget. I mean, Mankind. Was, but he was like on his way out. Uh, See, so he was just like, hey, son, how you doing? And he kept going. So you're standing next to The Rock. Yeah, Rock's taking 123 around. pounds of you soaking wet. Yeah, and he's like, "Hey, this is Mick. Say hi to Mick." He's like, "Hey." Did they think that? Did they think that you were like some kind of special needs kid, or uh, quite, fa- quite possibly they did. <laughs> no, Rock was just like Samu was like, "Hey, this is my friend's son Ryan," and Rock's just like, "Oh, let me let me take him around and let him meet all the guys." So yeah, that cool. That's pretty awesome. I got to meet New Jack once. I was too scared. <laughs> I said hi. Pre or post crack. Like, what the hell is wrong with you? Just giant lump of scar tissue on his forehead. Yeah, this is pre or post his crack addiction. Uh, uh, I don't even know if that's true. I'm just, I just, that's a rumor. Pre, I believe. I think it was 2001, maybe. So I think it was pre. All right, so. we are on oh this is this is what defined in my opinion your next pick is i think what defined the attitude error a decision that says at SummerSlam, the hardys and the dudleys cannot interfere with tables and ladders in your match yeah hey there you go long distance high five guys come Woo! Finally, you see, decision. it's going to be impossible for them to interfere in your match with tables and ladders because they are going to be in your match. What? What do you mean by that, JR? I don't know. With tables and ladders. 
And if I were you two dudes, well, because it's SummerSlam, it's going to be Edge and Christian against the Hardys, against the Dudleys. What? Is that Bischoff? In a TLC match. No, that's Mick Foley. Is it? That's Commissioner Foley when he was at his best. Oh, he sounds so with it. Yeah. Uh, Man, he was, again, uh, woven into every aspect of this. Like, people, he doesn't, I keep saying it, that he doesn't get enough credit, even though I I think he does, but for what he did. He didn't just get, like, Austin got over with his gimmick. Rock got over with his gimmick. Mick Foley got over with like five, four or five gimmicks. Yeah. Like every single one of them. And just being himself. Got... He wrote that. I read that book. I remember when I was mm-hmm. in high school, I loved every page of it. Yeah. And he was hilarious as, as the commissioner. We talked about him and his going back and forth with McMahon and stuff. His long distance high five. He had the crowd eating out of the palm of his hand. Yeah. And it, he does. And, but the, and the best part is he just, he doesn't have that look. He doesn't have the look. He doesn't have the voice, but the amount of charisma that this guy oozed, yeah, I, I, I think, like ha- tied it tied everything together. I feel like he was like the glue that made this whole era work. Yeah, surprisingly, and, I guess that's why it took so long from the getting WWF because Vince loves a big bastard, like a big muscle yes. fucking bastard. Oh, look at that big bastard! Oh, let's get him in the ring, pal. Huh, pal? Uh, look at what it is now. It's just a bunch of giant meatheads and it's a bunch of big bastards. I don't know what it yeah. is now, but. Uh, it's. I mean, there's some guy. I, the, I'm gonna. The, the I'm gonna watch tonight. Is the champion we'll still see. Roman Reigns. I'm not Reigns? gonna know anyone in the Rumble, but we'll try. Is the champion still Roman Roman Reigns? I have no idea. Because I honestly don't he's, know. He's every part time of, he's part of that family, the NOI family. Yeah. So I tune in every Monday. I turn on to like, all right, I'm getting into it now, and it's just guys that I don't know talking. But it's nothing, and I'm but I'm never surprised because apparently like scripts were leaked, and there are scripts that they that came out and people saw, and it's word for word the entire interview or shoot or whatever in the ring is scripted word for word down the punctuation. So and it, it's so it's nothing compared to like what it was during the Attitude Era, where it was here are some talking points here or here's where we need to get, go do it. And like Austin, Rock, Foley, Triple H, all those guys would shoot awesome promos. A lot of it just, you know, off the cuff or developed by themselves. They were given the free reign to come up, you know, do their own thing, which is what made these guys. Um, it looks like anywho, the Raw and, champion is Brock Lesnar. And the SmackDown uh, one is AJ Styles. Yeah. Well, he's, he's pretty awesome. Um, and uh, Roman Reigns is the Intercontinental Champion. Okay. Um, so, aside from just you know developing yourself as you know on the mic, you could potentially develop yourself in the ring, which in this case, at SummerSlam 2000, the first TLC match was just it, it it set the bar. And here's the thing: I went back. I don't, I don't want to poo-poo this at all because I remember at the time. This was the most amazing thing I've ever seen. Like, I mean, well, not the most amazing thing because I was also an EC. I've seen this stuff before, but to see it on a WWF show was completely different. Right. Um, and also the high flying, they, they really did like take it up a level. And I mean, with the Dudley boys in there, 
I mean, they were always just phenomenal. Their their in ring charisma. I mean, they're funny on the mic when they do their thing when they're not stuttering completely, but um, their in ring performances, the way that they can carry a match and to basically tell a story through that match is just awesome. Um, and then you got the Hardys in there, and Edge and Christian, and the six of them just mesh so well together. And this match, it was awesome. Now, in hindsight, there are some other, I think, uh, TLC2, which I believe took place at WrestleMania 17, like the following year then, uh, I think even blew this one out of the water. Um, I think that's when Jeff Hardy got, he was hanging from the belts and he got speared off it. Um, in this case, it ended with, uh, so Jeff and Devon are dangling from the belts, and then Edge and Christian, like, knock Jeff off at the ladder, climb up, and then grab the belts. Um, there are some really awesome, like, spots in this. Uh, I mean, it opens up with, and this is something you didn't always see in, like, a WF match, like, where he takes a chair and just throws the chair in Bubba's face and just takes a steel chair right off the skull. <laughs> just thrown. And it was just violent and ugly. Well, I, did I ever tell you the story of Bubba Ray and Rob Van Dam? Uh, when I, I was, I got tickets at Ag Hall, the same place I saw the Falls Count Anywhere, but a different time. Mm-hmm. And we got front row tickets. We were front row at Ag Hall, and they used these wooden chairs, and they were property of Ag Hall. These weren't stunt chairs. Oh, those chairs suck. They were wooden chairs. Uh, Rob Van Dam came and, and threw uh, Bubba Ray. They were fighting in our row, and then they came, they were back over the rail. Rob Van Dam took one of those wood chairs and fucking walloped Bubba mm-hmm. Ray over the back with it. And it like these, these are from like the thirties, like when they designed this play. Like these old school, heavy as hell. Like if you had to take a choice between getting hit with this chair or a steel chair, I'd take the steel chair any right, day. Right, any day. <laughs> so yeah, he whacked well, it's good. Just, just like walnut, like a twenty pound walnut folding chair. Yeah, those guys have a set of nuts on them. Uh, well, uh, are, and, they, are uh, the Dudley boys still wrestling? Time. What was that? Are they still wrestling? Who? Dudley, that... Yeah, yeah, they're still they're still around doing their thing. Um, they um, so this match, I mean, it had some awesome highlight moments. Uh, and it, there were some where it's like ah, that just had to hurt. First of all, they weren't steel ladders; they were fiberglass, and they painted them black. Right. Um, there was one where. I don't, there was no way that this was faked. I think it was meant, it, they set this up because there were a number of spots where they had to have worked out over and over again just to make it work. But there's one where the ladder gets teeter tottered when Jeff gets thrown on the one end and it snaps up and hits Matt in the face and knocks him out. Um, I watched it over and over again. I'm like, there's no way that that didn't hurt. Right. And there were so many spots in this, and so many times the ladder would get tipped over. Bubba Ray got knocked out of the match after he got tossed off the 20-foot ladder through two stacks of tables. Look, there's no faking that. They These guys had to have been just brutalized by the end of this fight. And, I mean, it goes to show, look at Edge's career. It came up, you know, he should be champ right now. Yeah. But his career got cut short for back injuries. He can't, if he wrestles again, he can be completely paralyzed. Nice um, muffin. You hear Smuffin? I hear Smuffin. Yeah. yeah. Adorable. <laughs> uh, it was so awesome to hear um, the the holy shit chants. Oh, yeah. Every time you the know? big spot happened. Yeah. And, and it was cool to hear a WF crowd, like, just get into that with those. And, like, you know, and then, of course, at the end, it didn't matter. There were no, 
like there weren't any heels in this match. Like going into it, yeah, Edge and Christian were your bad guys. You were rooting against them. But once the match got underway and you you were watching this, um, it felt like everyone was a smark. Right. Like everyone knew what was going on here. Explain you were watching to the like people a, a stunt show. Smart. It wasn't a wrestling match. It was a stunt show, and you were just rooting for everyone. Explain. It's just so awesome to see. And they, at the end, you know, everyone gets a standing ovation for it. I don't know if you can hear me, but explain to people who don't know, who aren't smart marks, what a smart is. A smart, a smart. Um, well, it's like marks are the people that like buy into the wrestling. They're all in and they, uh, you know, like a mark, like in a con. Smarks are, especially once the internet came along and people got new behind the scenes information. And so they kind of watch wrestling from a different angle. Me being one of them. And I appreciate it more for that way. It's the same way I like movies. I don't care if you you fool me and i'm not all in the story but if yeah. i see that how you made something and right. like, like i, I like want to know how the sausage like, is made yeah yeah i i like that i like knowing that the tie fighters on the string against a, uh, a blue screen right you know like to me that that's just as cool if not even cooler than being tricked so i i like knowing what was going on and knowing how they kind of work these spots now there's some uh you know, some guys don't like that. Some guys, you know, take offense to it and feel like it's still that, real to you know. me. God damn it. <laughs> yeah. And, and especially on the inside, too. And a lot of the old school guys don't like that. But and especially coming from uh, an ECW place um, that was uh, you, everyone knew they always broke kayfabe. It was regularly like, yeah, but, you know, we're putting on a wrestling show for them. Breaking kayfabe was kayfabe. Yes, Absolutely. And that's kind of what uh, I think the Attitude Era was too. They, like I earlier, we said like they took so much real life backstage drama, just pushed it out the door. Right. And I, I think that also kind of tied into it that it was these storylines crossing over. Yeah, they uh, they you know I mean I you could listen to something to wrestle with with Bruce Pritchard to hear how uh, some of these storylines kind of you know hit home. With them, especially with the Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels feud, um, but uh, yeah, great, great yeah. stuff. The TLC matches will go yeah. down. His and they, they led to, I mean, it led to a pay per view. There's, right. there's a TLC pay per view so eventually. They, do they still do that? Um, I don't know if they're still active. They wrote, like I said, I've been kind of out for some time, but I know they rotate a couple old ones in and out every now and then. I just. To me, though, there's if you're gonna have a TLC match, um, it has to you have to have like these six guys in it if you want to call it that. Uh, maybe you know switch it out. To, I know there was a was it Benoit and Jericho defended their titles on Raw at one point um, in a TLC match. I just feel like you put in the Dudleys, the Hardys, and Edge and Christian, and uh, some ladders, and it wasn't just brutal violence. It was the innovation. Right. The innovation of it and using it yeah, for coming up with spots and whatnot. yeah, it was it was a spot fest. And I can only imagine the preparation going into it. Like you literally had to do math, like geometry. Like when I'm standing on this 12 foot ladder and you tip me off and it's eight feet to the edge of the ring and then it's a three foot drop and the table's three feet back. You have to know that and you have to land perfectly. And it's not something you want to test too often either. Right. So. Well, uh, another big part of um, of the Attitude Era was not only the original formation of DX, but I was really into it, and its second incarnation with this guy. Thank you, Thank you for telling us what to do. Yeah. Thank you for telling us what to do. Yeah. Thank you for telling us what to do. Yeah. Thank you for telling us what to do. Yeah. Thank you for telling us what to do. Yeah. Thank you for telling us what to
but tell us what to win. Think you better? Well, you better get ready to bow to the master. So, um, after... Just, if you don't mind me cutting you off real quick. Yeah. That song is quintessential, like, 1998. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Such cheese. Like, Limp Biscuit might have performed this for all yes. I know. Um, I, f- I forget even what they fucking called it, but... Ugh. So, uh, Xbox. After Shawn Michaels um, fought... Stone Cold Steve Austin and gave Stone Cold the belt and Mike that Mike Tyson match. Uh, Shawn Michaels took some much needed time off to recover from multiple injuries. His neck, his back, his knee, you know, everything in, in between. So uh, they had Hunter Helmsley go out and say he is uh, now in charge of DX because Shawn, you know, he, he shot on Shawn Michaels saying he couldn't handle that he's out. So he's bringing in some some backups, and he brought in um, the New Age Outlaws with, with Road Dog and uh, Billy Gunn, and of course China was there, and then he brought in uh, X Pac, which was the former One Two Three Kid, who got let out of his contract as six, I believe, in NWO, right? Um, yeah, us. Uh, yeah, so. He comes in as X-Pac, and, you know, the click is reformed all of a sudden. And then they start playing those skits where they'd, they'd go to trying to release, have WCW release the captives, get their friends back, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, from WCW. They'd show up at WCW arenas. Cops were called. They are always fun. They had that tank. You remember that? Mm-hmm. But the D- oh, yeah. DX was always fun in this incarnation. Um, and I think it's what made Hunter a star. Uh, you know, it led to all his best promos and, you know, eventually marrying uh, Stephanie. But yeah, uh, X-Pac was always fun. The Bronco, Bronco Buster, he was, you know, a talented wrestler. He had his demons, but, you know, I always loved X-Pac. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I loved his run as uh, X-Pac in the, in the D-Generation X. That was always huge. He, he, carried, he had the European title back for, for a while there, didn't he? Uh, he might have. I, they would bring that back and get rid of it, and uh, you know, it was never like a, a, a legit title. It was kind of a yeah. joke. So um, after you know, after he they kicked Michaels out for dropping the ball, uh, they would then go on. They would they pushed his fan fr- favorites. They were they were their baby faces. Um, mm-hmm. It was supposed to be heels, but they were hugely popular. So they would uh, feud with The Rock, who was still heel in the, in the nation. And um, later, McMahon's Corporation, which I'm going to get to next. McMahon's my next pick. Uh, you know, they would... Uh, I, I talked about uh, going against... Um, uh, doing the WCW, getting the... Re- releasing our, the prisoners... They even tried to enter the loading dock uh, in their army jeep before mm-hmm. someone before someone stopped right away, and uh, <laughs> it was just it was just great. The WCW it, sucks. It really was a war. It, it was. It, it was, was the greatest TV war of all time. Right. 
Um, like you don't see sitcoms doing that. Like the, the different cop shows between CBS and NBC, like showing up on each other's sets. Right. Yeah, right. Uh, they would eventually feud with Shawn Michaels when he came back um, as the corporate commissioner. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a lot of good stuff in there. And then remember The Godfather? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, he he uh, he, he had a, a stable and um, he, he would feud with uh, with uh, DX. Yeah, because uh, him and Valvinus tagged together. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, X-Pac did have the European champion, and he had that match with Shane McMahon. Oh, that's right. Um, and then there was... Um, then they joined, was they would join the corporation and turn on X-Pac. But it was later that night, it was... So when X-Pac joined, then later at night, Triple H and X-Pac show up. Uh, there was a tag cage match. Yes. With the New Age Outlaws, yes. and uh, it was Mankind and... Uh, Chainsaw Charlie, which is Terry Funk. Terry Funk, and then that then it ends the night on uh, you know them on top of the cage, and that's your new DX army. It was uh, it was a lot of fun uh, that that rendition of the DX, all part of the Attitude Era, and what made it so great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was just I was just watching that clip the other night when uh, Michaels turns face against McMahon, and then. Uh, just I, I love those pops like when the when that music hits and you get the surprise you know saves or you know reinforcements come up and then like dx comes out and there's that reunion there up on stage mm-hmm. and we can get back into it too with vince but his his oh shit face is probably one of the greatest <laughs> visuals in television history right um so yeah let's uh let's move on and let's talk about the monday night wars Top five all time, I think. Nah, it yeah. Just and just that, as as it is. But when you look into the whole everything else around it, maybe it is number one. Didn't the boys come down and give him the shoulders, put him up in the shoulder hoist? Oh yeah, it was. He's rolling around crying. He's on DX's shoulders, celebrating. I remember watching this, and it was it was glorious. Like it was. Here, and here's the best part. This was January fourth, nineteen ninety nine which was a Monday, which puts this on Monday Night Raw. This was not a pay-per-view ending. Right. Like, this had all your biggest stars, your biggest title change, everything, storylines culminating. This wasn't WrestleMania. (laughs) This was a Monday Night Raw show. And everyone knew it was going to (laughs) happen. Because 
at the time, WWF was pre-recording a lot of their shows just because of the road schedule and the way it was. So word got out. They had the script, and WCW knew. And the, the war was ugly, right? I mean, we admit that. And no one played fair, including Bischoff, who made Tony uh, Scavioni. Schiavone. Schiavone. I just, I always, sorry, mispronounce it. It's actually uh, Schiavone, I think. Schiavone? I think it's Schiavone, yeah. He did, um, he, he's I, in our stadium uh, four times a year. You know, oh, yeah? He just played by play for the Gwinnett Braves. No shit. Yeah, you didn't know that? No, no idea. Yeah. Um, well, so... Earlier in the show, while WCW is live, um, Eric Bischoff made him say, uh, have him say this on air. Hollywood Hogan walks away. And you look at us, 40,000 plus on hand. If you're even thinking about changing the channel to our competition, fans do not. What yep. a fucking asshole. Yeah, it did. Um, that, so that was the nail in their coffin. It was a big oopsie. Yeah. Um, because when you say that, it means I want to go see this now. Right. Everybody and changed the channel. I and I and not I didn't, because I can be completely honest with you, I rarely watched Yeah, WCW. I didn't watch Nitro. I was always a WF guy. Yeah. So I was already watching Raw. So I didn't even I. know that this one had went down. Um I had I think I knew that this was going to happen just because I was an internet kid. I, w- I was, you know, on all the, I was on the WrestleZone forum and on the websites and all that. I was, or No Mercy forums. So, yeah, I, I knew all this was going down, but I didn't know it because of WCW. However, 600,000 other households watching WCW wanted to see it happen and switched the channel. Jeez. 600,000 households went from WCW over to Monday Night Raw to watch, which, and then they watched this happen. Now, and it was awesome. I mean, so Mankind fighting The Rock for the title. And this was after earlier in the night when after losing a match to Triple H, Mankind grabbed Shane and was ready to break his arm, forcing Vince to give him a title shot that night. Right. It was awesome. So... He gets a title shot with The Rock. The corporation's involved. DX is at ringside now, backing up Foley. And, uh, yeah, Shamrock comes in, breaks up the fight when Mankind kind of had it won with the Mandible Claw. And then there's a brawl. Austin comes out, lays out The Rock, drags Foley on it, counts him out, and gives Vince the finger as Vince is losing his shit. And then they celebrate in the ring. It's a beautiful moment in, like, wrestling, just awesomeness and everything that you know foley and mankind cactus jack dude love everything that they've done to this point like paid off and right. it's glory again he's in every single thing that i have to say one way or another um and i'm not it's not like if you had to give my list of like favorite wrestlers of all time i yeah he's probably in there somewhere but he's not at the very top no. but the more and more i looked into this i'm like holy shit he was important to this um so all these people tune in to see this awesomeness. And now there's still like five minutes left in WCW because their time was running a little bit longer. And 
so people turned back to see WCW because now they're going to watch Hollywood Hulk Hogan fight Kevin Nash for the title. Uh, fight, you think? They thought. So they're in the ring, and they're like, oh, here we go, Kevin Nash, Hulk Hogan. Nash shoves Hogan. Hogan gets back, gets right in Nash's face, pokes him in the chest. Nash gives the biggest jumping flop ever in the history of pro wrestling. Hogan covers him for the one, two, three, and everybody celebrates. Such bullshit. Yeah. And then, well, now Goldberg comes to save the day with Luger. And they're like, all right, well, at least we have some of this. Because now people are pissed. Because at this point, they've had enough of NWO. Yeah. It's been the same thing. It's tired. It's right. It's Wolfpack. Right it's NWO. Yeah. All right. We get it. It's the same couple guys just right. pushing. You're getting pushed every day. So at least there's something here. Nope. Now Luger turns on Gold- Goldberg as well. And now he's in. So now it's like everybody's in. It got to the point where like everyone in the company was in the goddamn NWO. And it was just kind of. Right. Who cared? And it was a, a joke. And it's been referred to since then as the finger poke of doom. Yes. And it's called that because at that moment, and with them giving away Raw and people switching over, after almost two years of Raw losing the ratings word to WCW, Monday Night Raw, 5.7. Monday Night Nitro, 5.0. Raw wins. And it's the last time Nitro would ever have a 5-0 because now the storyline, now you're looking forward to next Monday. Think about it that way. All right, so this Monday night, I just saw every superstar involved in the WWF, involved in this match, giving the greatest underdog the title, and now he's champ. Right. On WCW, I just saw Kevin Nash lay down for Hulk Hogan to give him the belt again. Right. And it's the NWO storyline continues, and we don't know where it's going to go. So who, where, what chant, What are you going to watch next? Well, everyone started watching Raw. And it was the last time Nitro had a five, and this was January. By the end of the year, within 12 months, they were struggling in the threes. Yeah, and, and two Raiders years later, Vince McMahon would own their ass. Yeah. So that was, that, that was it. This was... It was the death nail. Uh, you know, Hulk Hogan has disputed that. He thinks it was the watering down of the whole concept of the NWO when they split the group up into the Wolf Pack and the spinoffs like the Latin World Order. Well, yeah, that is all a part of it. It's just, it's still just the NWO that was the as culmin- a whole. Yeah. You just had to end it. Yeah, the culmination. The, the culmination. Of, like, you can't just put the click on TV. Yeah, right. Uh, he, uh... Eric Bischoff also uh, claimed that it was a mistake and the tide was already turned. Um, so he said it was a mistake even talking about that match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you just you just asked for it. You weren't going to have oh, okay, no big deal. Like, if you said, oh, The Rock's going to defend his title against McFoley, you're like, okay, I'm good. I don't need to see it. Right. I'm a WCW fan. But when you say McFoley's going to win the title. Right. All right, I want to. I want to go see this now. This is something. Holy shit! Something different. It's the reason why everyone wants one of the other three teams playing today, besides the Patriots, to go to the Super Bowl. Yes. Absolutely. Oh, back. You hear? 
She's crying. Hi, Schmuffin. She needs attention constantly. I am going to... Now, I have watched this episode of Raw, and that's the thing, too. That even episode of Raw was kind of weak. The opening segment was awesome. Uh, some of the matches were pretty good, like Triple H versus Mankind was uh, half was pretty good. Um, but then, yeah, that, that Terry Reynolds storyline took place uh, during this episode too, oh, uh, yeah. with D'Lo Brown and stuff. But uh, the the episode itself was not the greatest episode of Raw ever. The last ten minutes might be some of the best wrestling TV. Yeah, I, I remember. Yeah, I remember where I was watching it. I was downstairs. I was just really excited. It, it, like yeah. in my house, uh, I was. Yeah, I was really pumped. And I will one as soon as we're done here. I'm probably gonna go back and watch the clip again. I still get chills. It's uh, just so I much you fun were, to watch. I thought you were like, I'm gonna wake my daughter up and make her watch it and say, "See that? That's history." Uh, not <laughs> yet. I have to wait till she when she understands. We're trying. We're uh, trying once she's old to, enough to roll her eyes at you. That's when you'll. Yeah, well, no, she's old enough for that already. Oh, okay. Right now, we're trying to stop the hitting and punching thing. Oh, so, uh, okay. I can, the last thing I need to do is, hey, hey, look what daddy likes to watch, honey. <laughs> so. All right. Well, here is our last pick of the show, uh, and it's a fun one. No chance of that much. So let me. Uh, <laughs> I just, I'm just picturing that McMahon strut down the aisle. Oh, uh, the, oh, it's the saunter. The greatest, it's hilarious. So let me do. Let me try and perfect the, the my saunter. My McMahon for just a second. Oh boy. Come WrestleMania, you will have no chance in hell. It's pretty damn close. Do you say uh, uh, you're fired? <laughs> you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's uh, wrong, wrong guy. Villain. Wrong guy. But good friends though. Uh, hold on. <laughs> well, hey, pal. Uh, <laughs> hold on. Let me do my guy. You're fired. <laughs> I don't think you're an. It was decent, decent, pretty good, pretty good. But I don't think you're actually. There's not enough. Um, Clowning in it. Vi- no, there's not enough vinegar in your blood. Oh yeah, yeah. For you to actually. <laughs> <laughs> to do it like 100%. I give it a 98%. It was very good. So very so good. apparently there was never any uh, idea for McMahon to become a character on the show. But with the whole Bret Hart thing, he naturally became a heel. And his his heel to Stone Cold Steve Austin. Some will say, you know, Hulk Hogan's the greatest wrestler of all time in the, in the industry. A lot will say Stone Cold Steve Austin is the greatest wrestler in the history of wrestling. But without Mr. McMahon, and well, obviously without Vince McMahon, none of them would be the biggest. Mm-hmm. But without the Mr. McMahon character, the heel, Stone Cold or The Rock, I don't feel, or or you know any of the Attitude Area, Stone Cold especially mm-hmm. would not have been as big as he was. Uh, huge, fantastic match uh, with with Stone Cold. I mean, McMahon went out there and did the bumps. You got to give the man credit. Oh hell yeah. 
And he did more than just the bumps. Uh, yeah, yeah, he did more than he took. And, and Shane, man, Shane comes in and does some of the best, takes, does some of the, hits some of the highest spots, craziest oh, yeah. spots. His matches with Kurt Angle, yeah. were just, it was epic. Him getting belly belly suplex through the glass, but it doesn't break and he just lands right on top of yeah. his head. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the Mr. McMahon stuff was so great. Uh, every, the vignette, the vignettes, what do you call them? Shut up. <laughs> the vignettes backstage, uh, all this, the, they went through like a whole vehicle phrase phase where they were having Mr. McMahon's limousines destroy and big trucks mm-hmm. driving out and McMahon and the, the whole McFoley stuff and the beer truck, the beer truck. Why yeah. does the beer truck have a fire hose? That's yeah. Well, beer. you know, why not? I wish I had, I could use one of those for tonight. Um, that would be awesome. But yeah, there was it was some some great stuff, and it'll never it'll never. Uh, I don't know. I don't think there'll be another great heel as good as Vince McMahon was in WWF yeah. history. I don't know what role he plays now in the show, but if any, but, there was uh, just it was a charisma. It was a natural. You you saw these people's attitudes, their personalities were in their characters. They none of them were. Uh, you know, it's not them for who they are. You know, The Rock's a nice guy, but he does. He has that charisma. He has that swagger, and he is that funny. Right. You know, and they ju- it just shows. And I think Vince is, Vince is just being Vince when he's out there. Right. You know, when when you when you hear uh, the recorded uh, headset conversations between him and Michael Cole, yeah, that's pretty much the guy that you're getting. Right. Yeah. They. From what Bruce Pritchard says, it's 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 like you you know, you know Vince is always who he is, and you know if he he blows up, he blows up, but he's always reasonable. Like when mm-hmm. when Austin walked out on the company when they had that uh, that whole that whole shit where he wasn't okay with the creative and he just walked out. He didn't you know the whole Deborah thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple months later, you know Jr. called him. Well, hey Austin, is, is there any way I could uh, set you up with the old man? Get you in a meeting with him, and you know he said Austin's like, yeah, I, I would like that. So Jr. called Vince and uh, said, you know, if Austin's willing to meet with you if you are, you know. And McMahon's like, oh, who? How'd this happen? How'd this come about? And he's like, well, I called him. I love it. <laughs> he gets right. He, and so he had a meeting and um, he talked things out with Austin. And he, he heard where he's coming from and he knew that getting Austin back was better. Best for the best for the business. Yes, he is a businessman in the end. Yeah. So yeah, that was the Attitude Era, and uh, it was an era of wrestling that probably will never will never see again anything like it. But uh, it was the right place at the right time. Everything just everything just storm. worked. Yeah. And uh, you, you had the right audience was it, there. It made the WWF the powerhouse that it is now. If it wasn't for the Attitude Era, there would be no WWE Network with all that library and tape. There might not be pro wrestling as we know it because yeah. it saved rest WWF. And I don't. The audience isn't there for this anymore. I don't. I don't think people could stomach it. There'd be so much outrage. It, you wouldn't be able to breathe. Yeah, but the people who enjoy it now wouldn't be enjoying it now if it wasn't for the money they made during the Attitude Era. Oh no, I'm, I'm just saying, it, it, like this era. I'm not. I'm saying in a vacuum. This era couldn't exist now. The attitude era couldn't exist yes. now. Yeah, absolutely. Like th- those kind of storylines, that kind of wrestling. We're in like an overly, people find friends offensive now. Yeah, we're in an overly PC like early '90s. Like they should re-release PCU, not redo it, just re-release it. Yeah, it, it should be taught, and it should be taught in school. Right. This is what you know. 
But, you know, I, I hope for one day that we get over ourselves and we see uh, May, an old woman giving birth to a hand on wrestling. I, I'm, I'm ready for it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so that was fun talking attitude there. Yeah. What the... I, I think we, we got to talk more golden era again. We got to go back. I know we don't want to turn it completely into a wrestling show, but I can, I mean, I can ramble on forever there's got to be a part two i think it will be but we're we're kind of holding rest our wrestling to one maybe two shows a year because it's polarizing you know it's not a lot of people liked it but not everyone wants to hear wrestling that's why we're not we don't do many but when we do we try and do them right um and they're fun to talk about quite frankly oh yeah like i don't i don't have to do i like i said all my research is just just for dates like right. all this stuff, it's still fresh in my head. This is almost like this is 20 years ago, and I still like remember all this, like, like match for match. So uh, we got a couple shows coming up next week. We're talking Mattel toy lines, and then the following week we're talking classic Super Bowl commercials, uh, and then we go on from there. But it's gonna be uh, you got a lot of fun coming your way, and uh, our Rogers is gonna keep rolling throughout the year. Uh, but to enjoy Royal Rumble tonight. If you're listening to this after the Royal Rumble, I hope you enjoyed it. And we'll talk to you next week. Say goodbye, Squeezer. Bye. Oh, I wanted you to say goodbye, Squeezer. Oh, goodbye, Squeezer. I, I, I know. I was, it's the way to go, but if I do if I do it right, then it's kind of... Okay, let's do it again. Ready? Okay. Uh, on, on two. One, two. Say goodbye, goodbye Squeezer. Ah, oh, shit. <sighs> well, next week we'll get it right. Until then, I'm RK. Our stick is fucking ridiculous. It's fun, though. I'm Squeezer. Good night, everybody.